Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime, and we are reading Where the River Begins by Patricia Sanjin, and with permission of Moody Publishing Company, and this is our last chapter, and it's chapter 15, The Homecoming. It was mid-June when Granny came to visit Frances. Uncle John met her on the bus in the village and drove her to the farm where she was rather lame and walked with a stick. She was sitting in the living room when Frances raced in from school on Wednesday afternoon. He was glad to see his grandmother because there were so many things he wanted to ask her, and he always felt safe and comfortable with her. They had tea by themselves, and Frances bombarded her with questions, and the answers were most satisfactory. Mom was better and coming home Monday evening. She wanted to get there fast first and arrange things, and Granny was going to Yorkshire to get the little girls and bring them home by train on Tuesday evening. Because there was no school on Tuesday, Francis could go over and join his mother that morning. Granny was going to stay with them for a little time and help. Why do you have to go, asked Francis. Why doesn't Dad bring them home in the car, and, and when's he coming anyhow? Granny cleared her throat. Francis, she said at last, I have to tell you something very sad. What? Your father's not coming back. He's going to marry somebody else. Oh, yes, Gloria, said Francis calmly. I wondered if it would come to that. Poor old mum. Grammy, Grammy, Granny looked both shocked and startled. I had no idea you knew anything about it, Francis, she said. It's a terrible thing for your mother, and how do you think Wendy and Deborah will take it? I expect they'll be sad, said Francis thoughtfully. After all, he was their own dad. But I'll look after them all, Granny. I'm ten now, and we'll, we'll have to get the house cleaned up, won't we? You heard about Tyke messed up my room, didn't you? And Auntie Allison and I went and took care of that. She smiled at his eager, important voice. Perhaps things will be easier for him now, she thought. There'll be room for him in a real place. What a splendid boy he is. I know, she replied. I'll, I've been in. Mrs. Glengarry's going to dust around and get some food and air the beds, so it won't be like going into an empty house. But the yard's terrible. Do you think Mrs. Glengarry would let you go over on Saturday and do a bit of weeding and watering? It's been such a hot week and all the plants are dying. Francis nodded. That would be fun. He would he would attach the hose to the kitchen ta- uh, tap and make little rivers all over the, the flower bed. And everywhere the river came, rivers came, Mum's plants would grow green. He just could not wait. Uncle John was walking working on the baler, and the grass and the moon dairies and ragged robins were almost knee-deep in the meadow, and it was time to start the haymaking. Francis went and stood beside him. Uncle John, he said, when you go into town on Saturday morning, could you drop me off and my bike off at home? I, I want to get the yard ready for Mom, and I'll come back when it's finished. Good idea, said Uncle John. Perhaps the others could go for an hour and help, too. And when I pick them up, I'll cut the grass. It'll, it must be like a jungle there. <coughs> Sorry. You can stay behind and come when you're ready. There's that nice old cat lady next door, isn't there, if you want anything. Frances trotted off, delighted to find Auntie Allison, who was peeling potatoes. Well, Frances, she said, I hear you're leaving us. We shall miss you. I shall come back, Lots, he said. I shall come on Saturday to see, to see the river, and you and Uncle John and Kate and Martin and Chris. I shall come on Sunday to church, and sometimes I shall bring Rom and Auntie Mums coming on the bus, and it stops at the bottom of our road at six, and she thinks we're coming on Tuesday. Auntie, do you think I could give her a big surprise and get there first? 
She'd open the door and think the house was empty, and there I'd be, me and Whiskers. Wouldn't that be a lovely surprise? Yes, I think it would, said Auntie Allison, laughing. We'll keep it a dead secret. We'll take you over with your things about five o'clock and leave you there. And if by any chance she misses the bus or doesn't come, just phone us and we'll bring you back. Saturday was a huge success. Uncle John mowed the lawn and everybody weeded. It was only a small yard, and Francis, fastening the hose to the tap in the kitchen, watered every dry, thirsty plant. I think it will be all green by Monday, he thought. Wherever the water comes, it will be green. He got more and more excited as week passed, and on Sunday evening, Auntie Allison came up to say good night. We'll have to be like the father. You'll have to be like the father family of the family now, Francis. She said, "Your mother's going to need you so much. What a mercy she's got a boy as t- of ten, as well as those two little girls." Yes, I know it's a funny thing, but I didn't really like my two sisters much before. Wendy pinched me, and Debbie was such a crybaby, and Dad always said it was my fault. And what do you know? Now I want to see them again. Yes, you'll have to look after them now. It's sad for them to lose their father, and I think you'll soon learn to love them. It's made, it has made a difference being, having Jesus in your heart, hasn't it? Do you remember your special Bible verse? Yes, I think so. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If he believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost shall flow rivers of living water. Something about the Spirit. Yes, the source of Jesus coming to you, and the rivers are his love flowing out of you, teaching you to love. And if he's in your heart, he'll be in your home too, and it will make all the difference. I'm going to teach you one more thing that Jesus said, and we will understand both those verses in your Bible. Listen to this. She picked up the Bible that Uncle John had given him on Easter Sunday and found John chapter 14. And Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. You see, first he lives in the heart that loves and obeys him, and then the rivers of love flow out into the home, and everything is different. I know, he spoke slowly, groping for words, but when I got home, when I get home, you see, it's not like here. We don't read the Bible at home. I mean, how shall I go on learning about Jesus? I'll give you a little book that tells you what to read every day. Make a time every day and read it carefully and pray about what you read. I know it's a difficult time alone, but what about your granny? Perhaps she could read read it with you, and then perhaps Wendy could start listening too. I think she could understand. It would be a very good thing if Wendy learned about Jesus, said Francis seriously. She might stop pinching. Yes, she might, agreed Auntie Allison, but you'll have to be patient. It takes time. She kissed him and left him, and it was still light. He could hear the rustle of wind in the, in the ripening cornfields. I'll pick a bunch of poppies, he thought, and wondered where the plants in the yard at home were looking like. Everything grows green where the streams come, he thought drowsily. I'll have to pack tomorrow, and Auntie might let me make some flapjacks like she did when Rom came. He fell asleep thinking what fun it would be to sit just he and Mum at the kitchen table with a pot of tea and a plate of flapjacks. And at last it was four o'clock on Monday and time to go. He'd been so excited about going home that he hardly realized until he came to say goodbye. How sorry he was to leave the family, the cows, and the river. Whiskers was not at all pleased to leave the barn. There was not a hope of a mouse at 23 Graham Avenue. I'll come back soon, he called through the car window. Bye, everybody, and thanks for having me. He tried to wave, but it was difficult. 
for with every, with one arm he was clasping whispers, whiskers around her middle, and with the other he clasped a huge summer bouquet of poppies, wild roses, ragged robin, and moon daisies. It was just the time to arrange them and get tea ready before Mom arrived. They picked up the key from Mrs. Glengarry, and Auntie and Allison helped him carry up his things to his room. And then she said goodbye, and he flung his arms around her middle and clung to her for a moment, realizing how happy he had been. Could it? Would it last? He arranged his flowers in bowls and pots all over the house and laid the tea things on the best cloth and got out the best china cups and plates, for he believed that this was what the occasion and the flapjacks deserved. Then he put on the kettle very low and went and curled up on the sofa by the living room window to watch the gate. He was not going to meet her at the bus stop. He was going to be her big surprise. He began to wonder how he would welcome her. He wanted to appear very grown-up and capable, and he thought he would walk to the front door when he saw her coming, open it, and take her bag. Don't worry, Mommy, he would say. I'm here, and I'll look after you and the girls, and tea's ready. He imagined himself looking very tall, almost like a man. And Mom would say, I'm so thankful you're here, Francis. I don't know what I'd done without you and whoever made these flapjacks. It was a lovely, peaceful dream. Whiskers jumped onto his lap and threw his arms over the back of the sofa and rested his head on his hands. He gazed at the yard where everything was green and flowering and pressing towards the sun. It was my hose that did it, he thought. Rivers of living water. He began to think about Auntie Allison had said on Saturday night, streams of love and happiness. Well, he'd been happy, and he had started to love others in a new way. Others like Kate and the swam and the birds and the water rats and Rom and even Wendy and Debbie. He was longing to see them again. Jesus said, I will make my home with you. And if Jesus was there, perhaps they would all start again and be happy. The time seemed very long and he was thinking so hard and feeling so tired after all the excitement that he fell fast asleep, lulled by whisper, whiskers purring. When at last his mother arrived, he never saw her come up the path, nor did he hear the click of the key in the lock. Francis' mother sat in the bus, her hands clasped tightly together. She was better and ready to start life again, but she was almost regretting saying that she wanted to arrive first. The thought of the empty house frightened her now, and she did not want to be alone. There were too many sad things to remember, too many fears for the future. When the children came, it would be different. Or would it? Wendy and Debbie would probably settle down. They were too little to understand much. And Granny was coming to live with them for the present. But what had she done to her son, Francis? The thought of him had hot on her, although through her illness and during her convalescence she would awake in the night and remember those torn-up pictures in the rubbish bin and the light that would die in his eyes when, she, when he wanted to tell her something and she, would not, and she could not concentrate. All of her thoughts had been taken up with her anger and fear over her husband, and she had just had not had time for Francis. And that was why he had slipped away, got into bad company, and ended with strangers. Delinquent. Her husband had called him, and by whose fault? She had heard from Granny that the strangers were excellent people and that Francis was happy, and certainly his funny little letters all about cows and swans and streams seemed happy. But would she ever really get him back, and would he ever forgive her? They had thought at the hospital that she was grieving over her husband, but they were wrong. The grief was past, and she could only think of him with anger, bitterness. Her grief was all for her son now. It was Francis, Francis all the time. She walked 
<clears throat> she walked slowly, for her bag was quite heavy, and when she got inside the gate, she stopped to find the key. She was surprised to see the yard looking so good and the grass mowed. It's all that good old Mrs. Glengarry next door, she said to herself. I'll pop over when I've had a cup of tea. She crept into the house, awed by the tidy silence, longing for her children. She would leave her bag in the living room and put on the kettle. She went in and then stood, rooted to the spot, wondering if she was seeing things. He lay curled upon the couch with whiskers in his lap, his arm thrown over the back, his cheek resting on his hands. His eyes were almost shut, and as he suddenly looked up, he seemed for a moment quite as bewildered as she was. Mom, said Francis, and the next instant his arms were tightly around her neck. She held him close and knew, without in another word being spoken, that her boy had come home. And that is the end of Where the River Begins. That is precious and almost makes me cry to the joy. And I pray for that testimony, but it would be a, a blessing to many that would hear it. And there's many families like that. It's not necessarily, you know, well, I love you. I'm praying for you. And we'll be starting a new uh, Patricia Sanjin book tomorrow. I'm not going to let you know what it is yet. And we'll find out tomorrow. I love you. I'm praying for you, and have a good night, and and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.